And our Father in heaven, may that be so true from each one of our hearts that we want to speak to you today, that we recognize your greatness. Father, we thank you that you are the one that arrests death. That, Father, because of what you've done for us and through your Son, we have life today. And, Father, as we come here to this place to celebrate that life in you, we pray that, Lord, you would have opportunity to speak to us about being the the very rock that we stand on, the cornerstone in which you are building your church for your glory in this place. We thank you that, Father, your, your desire is for us to know you better and to know you more. And we pray today that that would continue your Spirit's presence in this place. For it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you again. Hey, it's uh, the beginning of fall. Now, I don't know if you all noticed, but I'll guarantee you I noticed. I don't know. I didn't take look at the temperature in Emporia, but today in Topeka it was 57 degrees. And I stepped out of that garage and I went, my goodness, <laughs> there is hope. <laughs> there is a God who knows what we need, just a little bit of that cool weather and just good to be together with you today. A couple of things, I don't know if you know, but there was an answered prayer standing right about right here these last few minutes as Jen was with us. Jen had surgery on, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Anyway, this week had a pacemaker, uh, and here she is with us today, and we have a new little one with us today. Now, Crazy Jordan, when he brought his baby the first time, he got up here and he raised him up to the Lord. But Andrew, you two, it's so good to see you with us today. We just celebrate life. And next week, it was announced, but I just want to touch it. Because church family, we're going to do this together. Next week, we're going to dedicate children. Now, when we do that, these new little lives that are part of this family... Uh, that's not a thing that's going to ensure that they're going to have their relationship with the Lord is going to be established as they grow up where they're able to hear Him speak to their hearts. They understand uh, they're sinful and separated from Him and that they have a Savior through Christ. And that will happen later. But church family, what we want to do is we want to, first of all, pray for these parents, pray for the little ones that are going to be dedicated. And then not only pray, I'm going to ask you to commit to walk alongside these families, to be the body of Christ with them as they live life raising these new little ones that are with us. So if you've, if you've got a child that you want to dedicate next week and you've not, I love this phrase, if you've not been in touch with Lisa, get in touch, let her know that you want to dedicate a child. And looking forward to that. Next week will be a little different on how we do it. Uh, but I'm looking forward to celebrating that with you. And then, uh, just good, I, I just want to put my stamp of approval, my affirmation about the forge and what we all heard together of the focus of men, us getting the opportunity to get together beyond this time, beyond the time that you're in your life group, but to get some of that small group time, that one-on-one -on -one time for us to do what we heard, saw on the video, or for, for what we're experiencing in the lives here. That changed my life. While I was in college, I had a man who did that. A lot of one-on-one -on -one time and a lot of one-on-two-or-three time that uh, just, I'll guarantee you, 
if you are wanting to take that next step forward in your relationship with the Lord, check that out. Be a part of that. And so, the book of Ephesians. Now, you all, you know, last week I, I told you we were done with the verbs. We were done with the longest sentence, those 201 words in Ephesians chapter 1. But uh, while I'm with you, we're going to continue. And uh, so today, we're going to pick up at verse 15, and we're going to go to the end of the chapter. I thought I might break that into two pieces because there's so much in this, but I'm not. We're going to cover the rest of Paul's prayer. So one more time, it's going to be a longer sentence I'm going to read to you, read over us of God's Word. And so I want to ask you to stand. And don't we love new life? I love family. Little Betty, it's Lincoln, right? Isn't it little baby Lincoln? Glad you're with us today. That's the newest member we get. Well, part of our family. And so, Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to the end of the chapter. Here's what Paul prays. So, here we have it. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of heaven, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age that is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your work. We thank you for the invitation to come and to pour our hearts out before you in prayer. And Father, I pray this morning that your spirit would have unusual freedom to speak to us, help us understand how we can be men and women who pray more. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated. Getting ready for our time together, uh, in reading, I think it was Stott, Stott's commentary, I learned about a guy uh, back in the late, or in the early 1800s, 1822, he was born in Germany, and he's a preacher's kid, and he's poor, and mom and daddy had no idea of what would happen to his life. His name is Henrik uh, Schleiman. Henrik Schleiman, probably just right there on the tip of your tongue. I didn't know Henrik until I was reading about him. But Henrik, when he was born and growing up, had, had no 
idea of how God was going to use him, but what captured him was a picture, a painting of Troy. And the Iliad and the Odyssey, those, those great poems, at that time in the early 1800s, they thought that was all myth. They thought that was just a legend. There wasn't a place. That wasn't a real thing. It was made up back, you know, it was just written as a nice piece of literature. And that young man was kind of captivated, and he decided, well, I want to find out in Turkey, not too far, get this, not too far from Ephesus, just up the coast from where this letter's written to, he discovered Troy, buried under lots of rock and rubble. But this little German archaeologist discovered that what was written in those two fine pieces of literature were based on fact. And so what I want to challenge us today is that every one of us have got the opportunity to take those 201 words as Paul began the book of Ephesians, and that becomes a fact that we stand on. It becomes our foundation for prayer. It becomes a foundation for what we're going to do to learn and grow and become more and more of that resurrected disciple, one that wants to follow after the Lord. We've got something firm to stand on, a reality. And I believe that that reality is a gift for all of us. We just keep discovering more and more of who is this God who blesses? Who's this God who chooses, who predestines, who drenches, who lavishes, who makes known and who ties it all together? Who is that one that's doing all that work and we stand on him? And here's where I get that. The first three words of verse 15. Most translations have it as for this reason. For this reason, for everything that I've written about, for all of that, that who God is and the fact that we have an inheritance in Him and we've been sealed in the Holy Spirit, those are facts that God has told us about Himself. And so for this reason, or some translations, a few, use the word therefore. And so we always want to find out what's the therefore, therefore. It's there because of everything that Paul has written. And he's told him, this is my foundation of who God is. And so for this reason of who he is, I have heard. I've heard of your faith, and I've heard of your love. Now, I like that because Paul is alert to what's going on in the hearts of people around him. And he's been through Ephesus, and he's heard that in that town, in that church, there's some health, and that health is defined by these two things. One, there's people who really do believe that there is a God, and there's a God who rewards them, a God who wants to know them, and they're building their life on that faith. And not only are they knower, people that have got that belief, but that belief begins to then transform the way they live. And he says, not only do you believe but you love. You care about other people more than you care about yourself. And he says, because of the foundation of all that God's done, and because I've now discovered you, a community of people that want to take that foundation and make it yours, 
I'm excited for you. I remember you. I pray for you every time I think of you. And so this morning, as we finish out this chapter, this chapter is a prayer. It's the last part of chapter 1, but it's where Paul goes from who God is to what does that do to transform the way I live among people and the way I think about people, and especially the saints. Don't have a lot of time to go into that word saint, but most of us in this room have got a corrupted idea of saint. I mean, there's Saint Mother Teresa. You know, the Catholic Church, I appreciate the way that they watched her life and what, what they have to do to, I think it's beatify, there's that, that concept of the Catholic Church, what they do to recognize very, very, very special people in the Christian life. And so most of us, we don't qualify. You know, I've not done miracles yet. I've not, God's not done some things through my life that, the, you know, the Catholic Church has identified. But what I want to propose to you that as Paul looks at the community of believers, he's got to give us a name. And he doesn't say y'all. And he doesn't say you guys. But he says, no, I want to pray for the saints. Now, there's all kinds of <laughs> degrees of saintness. But as Paul looks out on us, he wants to give us a term. And his term is, I'm praying for you, you believing, loving people, you the saints. And so he doesn't cease giving thanks. He's remembering us in his prayers. And here's where his prayer content. We have the why he prays, because of all that God's done, because he's seen love and faith in the lives of people. That's why he prays. And now what does he pray? And that starts in verse 17. And in verse 17, he says that the God that, that's how we know the content now, I'm remembering you and praying that God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that Father of glory may give. Now, y'all, I have a prayer. I, I wish I did better. I'm standing up here talking to you about a subject that is, it's not, I'm not happy about my prayer life. And here's one of the reasons why. I wish I had a written prayer list. Priscilla does. Priscilla keeps track. Priscilla's a journaler. And she can go back and look in her journal and see things that she prayed for. And that just has not become a discipline for me. I wish it was. So I'm just being honest with you. I, as Paul says, I'm praying that the Lord may give. There's all kinds of things that make our list. But notice what Paul's praying for. He's not praying for stuff. He's praying that God would give us, and look what he says. He wants for God to give you and me that Holy Spirit that he talked about last, that I talked about last week, that last part of his prayer, down to verse 14, where he says that we're sealed in that Holy Spirit that is growing us into be followers and disciples of Jesus. He's saying, I'm praying that that Spirit would give you Two things. He's going to give you wisdom, the way of looking at life from God's perspective, seeing life from God's way, 
and revelation telling us what we don't know. Now, I hope that you have experienced that. Because if Paul's praying it, and I want to pray that. I want to pray that for my children. I want to pray that for my grandchildren. I want to pray that for those guys that I'm spending some one-on-one time with. I want to, I want to invest my life in praying for people the very way that Paul says is, I'm praying, God, that you would give wisdom that they can see life from your perspective and revelation that they can discover more and more about you. Now, that's what makes my prayer list that I wish I had. But when I pray for things, those other things that are on my list, those kind of pale in praying for this, that God would give my son, God would give my daughter, God would give my grandson, who's now going to school in Tajikistan, dressed up in his little uniform and going in there every day in the language that's his second language and trying to learn. As we pray for little Elias, man, I'm praying, God, give that little boy at his level Give him this. Give him the ability to see how to respond to people different from himself. How can he live understanding more and more of you with him in that context? It will strengthen your prayer list. It will enrich what God's putting on your heart to pray. That we pray just the way Paul's praying. That God, would you give them wisdom, seeing life from his perspective, And would you show them more and more of yourself? And that revelation of the knowledge of Him. Now, if you want to pray, there's where we stop. You can stop right there. God, would you give us more and more knowledge of who you are? Now, we're going to touch this word no more and on, you know, in this, the one of the guys that I was reading this week knows George Bush. In fact, I think uh, second service we're going to have a guy here in Emporia that I think is he knows George Bush on first name basis. He's been with him, talks to him. Oh, Leo, done Leo. I think Leo's been in Washington, and Leo Paul's been there enough that uh, he's been with George Bush. They're on first name basis. But you know the word here, no is a little bit more intimate than that. Because, I mean, we know people, but they don't know us. Now, I'm going to gamble on this. You know where the word know first starts. It's in the book of Genesis. And it's where Adam knew Eve in a relationship that was created by God in a place of intimacy and the way God created it, I'm going to use the word holy. It was set aside for that kind of a knowledge of one another that's very emotional, it's very powerful. And, it's, and in that relationship that Adam and Eve had together, God says they knew one another. And so when, here's the hard part. When Paul says that God wants us to be in that kind of a depth of a relationship of intimate knowledge where you know each other, you know each other's strengths and weaknesses. You know each other where it's exciting, fulfilling. It's a great relationship that you have together. He's saying, Paul's coming alongside of us and tapping us on the shoulder and saying, you know what? Everything that God's created pales in knowing Him. 
You all know that marriage, let me just let you in on a secret. Marriage is a part-time thing. Because Jesus told us when we go to heaven, while I love my wife, we're not going to be married. I'm going to be married to the Lord. And everything that Priscilla and I, have, we enjoy, you know, she's my partner, she's my buddy, she's my friend. We share a lot of life together. But that will be secondary for what I start to experience with the Lord. This is just getting us ready for getting to know Him. And so when Paul says, I pray that you would know Him, he's talking about a knowledge that's a very, very, very full knowledge, a very enriching knowledge, a knowledge that you'll wake up in the morning to experience. That knowledge is no longer ticking off a little box in your mental list of, oh, i got to read my Bible today. This becomes a knowledge where you, you really look forward to getting to know Him better. You, you cherish those moments where you see Him more. And so that's what Paul's praying for. And the way we get it, now, Scott, I love your stuff. I really do. I totally affirm that. But let me just say that even going one-on-one with guys and you say, I'm going to challenge you and we're going to be accountable to do this, we can work hard, but I'll guarantee you the source of getting to know the Lord better, our discipline helps us, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God revealing Himself to us. It's the very thing He prays for. That God would give us that spirit of wisdom. That's a gift. And I believe I want my life right in place here where I can get the gift. And we get that in those, those good close relationships. Man on man, shoulder to shoulder, living life. That's a good place to work on it. But don't forget the source of that is God himself. And we need to be thankful for that. So that when you do get those two things that I've mentioned, when you get... A wisdom where you can, oh my, I need to live life this way. Or, oh wow, there's something new that God showed me about himself. So I'm getting that full rich knowledge of him. Let's be thankful for it. You didn't work your way there. That's a gift from him. And just having a heart of praise. Saying, Lord, thank you for showing me yourself. Because I'm, I'm separated from you. And I need you to show me who you are. For me to get into a relationship that's at the level that Paul's talking about where I can know Him. And so those are the first, the first thing that God would give, that gift of the spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowing Him. Now in verse 18, the second gift is having the eyes, it doesn't say eye, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now we here in America, I mean, I love a good chick flick. Every, not, not very, I mean, not all the time. I really enjoy other manly, I like football, I like other stuff, but every now and then, I'll enjoy watching a story that touches my heart. And Paul uses the word heart here, having the eyes, huh, I didn't know hearts could see, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Now, back when Paul's writing, several thousand years ago, the word heart is more than just that emotional center where you feel and all that. It's your inner being. It's your inner person. And so your inner person, you can have your inner senses. You can see the eyes of your heart. You can hear. You can hear by your heart. This is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That, that inner part of you that none of us see, but we, you know, I, we've all got one. And Paul is praying that that inner self 
would be enlightened that the light would click on one more time. You can't do that yourself. I hate to say it, but you're not the one flipping the switch. It's him. And Paul's praying that God would turn the light on inside of each of those saints that he sees. Now, if you haven't caught, I really, I, I love the fact, I believe the Christian faith, the Christian life is a process. He's not, it didn't start on that first day where you accept Christ as your personal Savior. No, that, that's the door. You walk in the door and you've got the rest of forever to live that relationship that God sent his son to die for so you can have. And so, as Paul's praying that our hearts are enlightened, that's an ongoing growth process where we, we see more. We understand because of his light making it make sense to us inside, we understand what he's up to. And so, the first is praying for that gift of the Holy Spirit who's going to give you wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of knowing him. And then as that happens, your hearts are enlightened. You can now see things you couldn't see before. I have a good friend. His name in the States is Nick Ripkin. Uh, some of you have seen his movie. It's the, the Insanity of God. If you haven't seen that movie, that's an unbelievable story about what happened in Somalia. And because of the persecution in Somalia, then Nick studied persecution around the world and began to find out that the persecuted church in some ways is very, very strong because they're having to pay such a price for their faith. And it encourages us to be getting ready for what might happen to us. But what Nick would say to me over and over again, because we worked together as he was in Somalia, he'd say, John, don't be, don't be surprised that what they do in Mogadishu and Somalia is what they do because non-Christians act like non-Christians. This last week, I don't know about you, but I watched some of that TV stuff that was going on in Washington, D.C., and I just kind of got nauseated. I just, uh, come on, don't, good grief, aren't we better than this? But non-Christians act like non-Christians. I mean, come on, this is not the church. We've got all kinds of people. And that whole community that acts that way, look, we're sent here to be salt and light. So let's don't run away and hide. You know, come on, John, I'm here, i got a plan. He kind of puts his arm around me and says, no, don't give up on my presence. I'm up to something. And so, but don't forget the fact that darkened hearts act like darkened hearts. And enlightened hearts act different. And so, as Paul's praying, he's filling up how we can look and pray for those around us. So those first two gifts. First of all, that gift of the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom and revelation. Secondly, that gift of an enlightened heart. That you may know. We're back to our word. Back to that special, that in-depth, that knowledge that in some ways you can't describe it. But he's now going to tell us three things folks, church, family, that he wants us to know. Number one, to know the hope or to know what is the hope to which he's called you. 
hope, something to look forward to. And I, as I was reading, I mean, I've, I really like the book of Ephesians, so I've read a number of commentaries. Some of the guys talk about the eternal hope, the hope in the sweet by and by, the hope that's going to come when we pass on, the hope that we celebrated at a good funeral. I had a funeral this just two Friday. Priscilla was part of a funeral in Speaker, which I know they were focusing on where do we find hope. But having hope. But I wanted, I wanted to submit that the hope that he's talking to is the hope for this afternoon. It's the hope that we have in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And Peter's writing to the same group of people. You know, 1 Peter's written to the Jewish community that were in Jerusalem that after they destroyed the temple got scattered. They're all over present-day Turkey. And he's writing to them in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 3. Here's what Peter writes to people that are living in pretty tough life. They're living in caves. They're running away. They're, they're true refugees. Now, we know refugees. We see pictures of it. We have a lot of talk about it. Guess what? That's not a new problem. That problem was going on back first century, and there's people that have now run out of town because they, gotta, they can't be in town, and they're hiding, and Peter writes this letter to them. And here's what he says. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Because a living hope means He's right here with us. He knows everything that's going on in my life. A living hope. Poor old K-State yesterday needed a little living hope. <laughs> Didn't do too good. Kind of struggled out there. You know, as they go home to, that night, and you know, there's, life's bigger than, than a ball game, bigger than events in life. Good old KU had a little hope. <laughs> Those of you that watch college football, they broke a record or they broke a string of losses yesterday. So a lot of people in Lawrence were smiling. A lot of people in Manhattan were not. But guess what? We've got bigger life. We have a living hope. He's not, a, he's not asleep. He knows he knows the life that we live. He knows what's going on around us, and he's right there with us. Our hope is alive. Right what you're facing, what you walked in that door or you walked in that door with today, guess what? You're not surprising. And Paul says, I'm praying that you could know that growing knowledge on an intimate level, know more and more and more and cherish a living hope that he's given us. So, there's the granting us that gift of a spirit of wisdom and revelation, giving us enlightened hearts so that we may know what is the hope of our calling. Secondly, and that you may know what are the riches. Now, get this. He's going to change words on us. Don't miss it. He says, what are the riches of not your. I've been talking about your and our inheritance, not the riches of our inheritance. Now, this may rock your world, but the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Now, I hope some of you out there just said, what? you got to be kidding me. This group of saints, <laughs> are there any riches in this bunked up, funky church that I'm a part of, where God's getting happy over the riches of His inheritance in us? 
Come on, you haven't been in my life group. You've not been a part of that decision process that I was a part of. Good night. He surely left the church. What in the world is this all about? Well, I want you to know, this will stretch my faith. Maybe stretch yours. But there, he is excited. He has an inheritance in us as his people because as he infects us and our lives change to be more and more in the image of Christ, that means that out there in that broken world that, remember, has got darkened hearts that act like non-Christians, he's got an inheritance moving around like salt, like yeast. It's out there at work. And look what he says. He says that we could know, we understand what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in us. Now, y'all, you're, you're looking at an old boy who knows a little bit about problems. You know, we were in Africa for all those years. I was responsible for East, Central, Eastern, and Southern Africa. Had 500 missionaries. And I'll guarantee you, I know some bad stuff. I know what broken, what broken lives can do to broken lives. I can know how people can get hurt. I know how people can hurt people. I can know what sin looks like. And so as I read this, I have to stop and close my eyes and think, okay, God, talk to me. What's the glorious inheritance of these people? And he says, oh, John, you remember Carolyn Dixon? Oh, how God used Carolyn Dixon? She's a, no, no joke, she's a coal miner's wife from eastern Kentucky, and we're talking barefoot. I mean, Carol, you would have never thought that the International Mission Board would appoint Carolyn. I mean, she just doesn't come from what you think ought to come to Africa. But Carolyn Dixon, God used her in hospitals. This little lady, God just gave her energy and a passion to go and witness to Tanzanian people in the hospital. And she learned Swahili better. Mimi nina jaribu kujifunza luguyao. Lakini Carolyn, oh my, huh, and I drew a luga. I said, Mimi, I try to learn, Mimi, that's me. I try to learn Swahili, but Carolyn, a 55-year-old coal miner's wife, she put me to shame because she used it every day. And she got to pray for people. And I'm, I can't tell, I get a little emotional about how God took somebody I'd have never picked, but God used her for his glory. I'll guarantee you, his, there are people today in that part of Tanzania Mm. that are walking with Jesus because of Carolyn Dixon. And that is a glorious inheritance. That's not Carolyn. That's God's work in a woman who wanted to follow him, and she'd do whatever it took to follow him. Now that is what Paul's talking about. And Paul's praying, saying, I want, I want you to, to see where God's at work in this body of Christ and what a great thing today to just have the four just talking about there's a brand new chapter going on at 12th Avenue in Emporia where we're going to take seriously working with men. And I appreciate the three guys that started it, came and talked to the leadership and just see how it's coming together. And by the way, men, now's the time to tell you about it. I got one minute. Back there, guys, will you just stop by and get prayer calendar for my wife? I mean, if, if you guys just help us all do one thing, if I pray for my wife better because of the forge, I'm glad you guys did it. So go by and get that.
So the gifts. Let's get through these gifts so I can let you go. That first gift to pray for the, the Spirit to give us wisdom and revelation that enlightens our hearts, that He gives us a knowledge of hope. He gives us a knowledge of the riches of His inheritance in us, of what He's wanting to do through us. And then finally, so that you may know. Now this is a know, the same kind of intimate knowledge, but He wants you to know power. He wants you to know the power, the immeasurable greatness. I wanted to talk about that, just figure that. It, you can't measure it. It's immeasurable. We can measure atomic bombs. We can measure all kinds of things, but you can't measure this. It surpasses all measurement. There's immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe. Now that's what Paul prays. It makes my prayer list a little... I mean, I want to pray those things into my prayer list. Well, my prayer list are what I told you, my kids, my grandkids, people I work with, you. But you know, my prayer gets a little richer if I pray this. And so in conclusion, look down. It's not going to be on the overhead. So just go to the last four or five words of Ephesians chapter 1 in your Bible. I didn't get this one up there for them. We read, I read it to you. It's verse 23. Well, really 22. Here's how she ends. And God put all things under Jesus' feet, and he gave Jesus as head over all things to us, to the church, which his body is his body. The fullness, this church, and we're just a little piece of it. All the believing people on earth, his church, is the fullness of him who fills the fullness of the one who fills, I love that. He's a filler. He's out to fill this church, to fill you with the knowledge and the wisdom of how to live. He's here to fill you with light in your hearts so that you can know how to live outside these doors. He's there to fill you with the knowledge of hope we have in Him. He's here to fill you with an understanding of that inheritance of how He, it's glorious inheritance He's got. He's here to fill you with the knowledge of that power. He wants to fill all of us fully. Fill all in all. Fill all we need in all of us. This church is inclusive. It's everybody. It's every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. It's the diversity of this earth that we cannot appreciate till we see it. We look forward to it. Where we're going to discover that He was filling every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation with a knowledge of Him, to His glory. And next week, we're going to talk about the problem. And so, let me lead us in a word of prayer, and then I've got a closing word. So, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that, Lord, your desire is for us to know you. And, Father, that you want to be in that kind of a special relationship where we grow deeper and deeper in love and appreciation for who you are. And, Father, I pray for every one of us in this room today that's hearing. Father, that we could know more and more of how to see life from your perspective, that wisdom. That, Father, we would, we'd, we would experience and understand as you show us yourself revelation, as you reveal it. That, Father, we could have our hearts enlightened. We could walk in light, not in darkness. And, Father, that that living hope would be our experience even today, even tonight when we really, really need it. And, Lord, that your inheritance in the church 
would warm our hearts of what you're up to. And finally, that that immeasurable greatness of your power, that, Father, be ours. That Satan does not have control. That you are victorious. So, Father, we thank you for that. And we pray that you would grow in us a deeper knowledge and appreciation of walking with you. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So, church, I'd like to ask you to stand. Because in Romans 11, Paul ends the chapter with some good words for us. Here's what he'd say to us as we go out. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the depth of the wisdom and the depth of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Go and be the church.